Hi, this is Trip Rogers. I'll have Trip's take in just a moment. Hello again, I'm Trip Rogers, and this is Trip's Take. I will talk about my review for No Time to Die at the end of the podcast, so that way, if you have not seen it, you could tune out early and not hear uh, any spoilers on the movie. I want to be nice about that. But I want to cover another topic right now. Right now, the baseball playoffs are going on, and my buddy Mark and I have had this ongoing argument because he moved down to Tampa Bay and now the Tampa Bay Rays are his quote-unquote homies. Of course, I should mention that Mark, a New Jersey resident for most of his life, except uh, he moved out of there in April, um, was a Met fan. And that was, of course, when we first uh, became friends over 33 years ago, I I knew he was a Met fan. I was a Yankee fan. And that was one of the things that we would, would you know, go against each other about was the fandom. Well, he he left the Mets a few years ago and became a Yankee fan. And he has been a rather vocal Yankee fan over the last couple of years about how bad the Yankees are. So then he became a fan of the Phillies. And of course, for somebody who's not a fan of the Yankees, I got more information and more texts about the Yankees than from anybody who was a Yankee fan. You know, and, and that's Mark. And now he moved to Tampa Bay and now they're his homies. Tampa Bay's his homies, and the Yankees are not. Well, of course, when the Yankees went out of the playoffs, I had to hear about it and nonstop text about it because his homies were great, and they're going to win. There's only one little itsy-bitsy problem with Tampa Bay. They draw no fans, and they are on their way to becoming the first major league team to split a home season between two cities. What's wrong with that picture? Oh, he said, oh, they're just posturing so they'll build them a new stadium. Let's see. Tampa Bay can't get anybody to show up in the stands. Now, it's not because of costs, and it's not because the team stinks because they're putting a winning team on the, uh, on, on the field. No, it's because they don't have a fan base. Building a stadium is not going to solve that, especially when they say they're going to spend half the season in another city. He doesn't understand how this works. And in this day and age, politicians are not going to just throw money at a team to make them stay, especially a team that does not draw when they're winning. If a team's losing and they don't draw, well, that's one thing. Most teams leave cities that they're not drawing well because they're not winning. But this team is winning, and they can't get more than 10,000 people at a game. What part of this doesn't he understand? They're his homies. They're his homies. That's his team. They're great. Well, of course, they went out of the playoffs with the, against the Boston Red Sox this week, and I said, hey, how your homies doing? Oh, well, they got farther than the Yankees. I said, they're both playing golf, dude. Doesn't matter. And I know where the Yankees are going to be in two years. You, your team's going to be in Montreal. You won't have your homies around. He doesn't want to really understand. He says, oh, it's all posturing and stuff. He doesn't get it. He does not get it. His homies are not going to be there. The problem with Florida is, and, and the Florida market, you have spring training there. That's enough for a lot of these people. They don't need a team there. 
The Miami Marlins are struggling, even though they built a new stadium. And the Tampa Bay Devil Rays have had an indoor stadium to play in since their inception, but they can't draw flies. And part of the problem is Tropicana Field is a joke. And 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 the problem is it was designed more as a arena-type atmosphere rather than a baseball stadium. That That's something that it was, was pointed out in an article in The Athletic recently. But it points out one of the issues that teams are facing these days. You know, these baseball, major league sports teams are owned by billionaires for the most part. Millionaires, billionaires, but they've got money. And yet they continually hold up towns that they play in to underwrite the cost of a new stadium. The problem is, where's the money going to come from? We are we have an economy that was wrecked by a pandemic. Where is the money going to come? And if you have a team that is actively talking about playing half their games in another city, you're going to build a baseball stadium for 40 games? Not going to work. And what part, in, in what fantasy land is this going to happen? The owners of Tampa Bay know exactly what they're doing. They want a new stadium. They want to move out of Tampa Bay. They're not cutting it there. They're putting a winning team on the field. The problem is they're being subsidized because their payroll is so low. And what are they doing with that extra money that they're getting from the luxury tax? Putting it in the bottom line and the profits. They're not sinking it in player development. And that's one of the big problems with the payroll tax. Teams like the smaller market teams like Kansas City and let's throw Tampa Bay in there. They don't have, they don't use their money that they get from the payroll tax, from the luxury tax to improve the team. They sink it into the bottom line. Hey, we're profitable. Hey, we're making money. But then they don't have the players. And when the players get to a free agent point, they let them go and say bye later. As a result, you have kind of uneven things. You have a couple of year window where you do well and then you don't. The Florida Marlins, or that was what the Miami Marlins were known as before that, did this a couple of times. They won the World Series in 1997, sold everybody off. Went back there in 2003, made a big push, sold everybody off. And now, again, they're not making a lot of money. They're They're making bank. They're doing better, but they're not really doing as well as they could be. But again, they got a new stadium in Miami. They have their own baseball-only stadium. And it's one of the nicer stadiums in the major leagues, I should mention, too. But the problem is, is that the public is not going to bankroll these teams to build new stadiums. I think it's kind of interesting that you have a couple of places where they've built new stadiums and they've been underwritten by the owners of the team. Now, the local municipalities have paid for some infrastructure improvements. Not a whole lot, though. I'm thinking specifically about... MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, which was built on the same site, the Meadowlands, that Giant Stadium was located on, that's a. And then the um, SoFi Stadium project out in Los Angeles, where again, the Los Angeles Chargers moved from San Diego to go there, to go along with the Rams to inhabit that stadium. That's part of the deal here. 
But if you follow sports, you know there is a discussion about what to do with the Buffalo Bills. And the problem with the Buffalo Bills is that they want a new stadium. Rich Stadium is is antiquated. They want something new, and they want the state of New York and Buffalo, the Buffalo area, to pay for it. Problem is, they do not want to foot the bill for a team that is worth billions of dollars. I said billions because NFL franchises now are worth a lot of money. Jerry Jones's Jerry's World in Dallas was not built by any town. Jerry Jones underwrote the cost of that, and that's basically why Jerry Jones can do what he wants to. But I, I digress a little bit. The days of the public paying for stadiums for teams are over. With budget consciousness, I mean, budget conscious folks, we have to live within our means. The government doesn't seem to do that. And state governments are now starting to say no to sports teams and sports leagues. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this Tampa Bay situation plays out. But after all, my buddy is is optimistic. His homies will be there. But I got news for you, folks. They're making noise about leaving, and chances are when they make noise about leaving, usually they do. Only one other time I can think of in my lifetime where a team has said they're going to move, has actually made plans, and then stopped. And that was San Francisco when they almost were sold to Montreal back in, I want to say it was uh, in the 90s, maybe the 80s, 90s, or thereabouts. All right, now I want to talk a little bit about the James Bond movie. I saw it twice when it was released on Thursday, uh, last Thursday. And I mentioned the fact that it was kind of a pretty big thing for Hollywood to see what would happen. And the Bond movie didn't do as well as they thought it would, but it did well over the weekend. And it's on its way to making its money back, although it's going to have to make a heck of a lot of money in order to make back because it kept delaying it and they had paid for marketing and that kind of thing. About the movie itself. This marks the first time that an actor is actually doing a final round as James Bond and knew he was going to do this. I want you to think back. Sean Connery originated the role, and of course, he stepped away after um, You Only Live Twice, and then he was replaced by George Lazenby, and Lazenby decided not to continue in the role. They brought Connery back for the next one, but it did not go well, and it wasn't, let's say, a farewell per se. Roger Moore then took over as James Bond, and he was James Bond, but when Moore was replaced by Timothy Dalton, it was more because he had gotten old, but it wasn't a farewell per se. Dalton did two movies, was replaced before he did the third. Pierce Brosnan then took over the role, and Brosnan was set to come back after Die Another Day before they decided to redo and reboot the James Bond series with Daniel Craig. And so, therefore, Brosnan did not do that farewell that farewell as James Bond. So it was kind of with some trepidation I went to see the movie. But I have to tell you, it's a James Bond movie. There is action galore. It is really a fascinating movie. And if you're a James Bond fan, I think you'll enjoy it. I will say that 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 it was I was disappointed in Paloma's lack of a role. She was only in for a very short time. And again, the Bond movie centers around Daniel Craig's character, 007, of course, leaving and coming back, finding out that... Uh, 
uh, Madeline Swan had a child, and it was his child. But in the end, he was forced to make a decision, and he decided to, well, as you say, fall on his sword uh, rather than try and live with the knowledge that he had a daughter in, in the world. And uh, again, the movie itself, I gotta say, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it's a James Bond movie. Uh, you know, you have all the usual roles. I thought it was interesting to see uh, how uh, um, uh, Rami Malek was as a villain, and I thought he was great. I thought he was wonderful as Freddie Mercury, and I thought he was he was good in this movie. And I know a lot of people have made comments. They said it wasn't good, it, it was bad. The one thing I will say about the movie was I thought for a movie that was done in 2019, they filmed this in 2019, it was supposed to be released in 2020, and at the end it does say copyright 2020. Um, I find it interesting that this storyline plays oh so well with the pandemic and COVID-19 uh, issues we have had, coronavirus issues. The movie really kind of plays into it, and I didn't feel it lost anything coming out when it did. And it really, as I said, kind of plays itself into this pandemic we have had to deal with that delayed this Bond movie for as long as it did. I definitely recommend it. If you're a James Bond fan, I think you'll enjoy it. They also did some Easter eggs in this movie that you have to watch to catch, and, and but, but there were some really good ones. And all in all, I have to say, I thought it was a worthwhile end to Daniel Craig's role as 007. And as they've said now, the producers... It, next year is when they're going to decide what they're going to do with this series. Obviously, either they're going to reboot it or they are going to go on with a new James Bond. And as this movie showed also, 007s can be replaced. And that was one of the, the, the points in this movie, too. It is kind of interesting that the James Bond James Bond has gone from, you know, the bad guys, the Russians versus the Americans and, and the English to Spectre and, 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 and the Cold War, that type of thing. Now, you don't really know who the enemies are. And that's a point that's been said in the last two James Bond movies. You don't know who the enemies are. And, and that's kind of interesting. So, again, if you're a James Bond fan, I do recommend the movie to you. And that's Trip's Take for October the 14th. I'd love to hear your comments and questions about my podcast. Just email tripstake at gmail.com. Fantasy football players, listen out for my other podcast, The Fantasy Sultans with Mike Sheck, which is also on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast hosts. If you like the music of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, listen to WTRSradio.com online. Join me again next week for another edition of Trip's Take. For now... I'm Trip Rogers. Thanks for listening. Make it a great one.